0: When you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: If you just read the bio for Dr. Steve, host of Weird Medicine on Sirius XM 103 and made popular by two really comedy shows, Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez, you would have thought that this guy was, was a bit of a, you
2: know, a, a clown. Number one thing, don't take advice from some asshole on the radio.
3: Your show was better when you had medical questions.
2: I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose I've got the leprosy of the heart valves Exacerbating my incredible woes I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave An ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsating shave I want a magic pill for my ailments The health equivalent of Citizen Kane And if I don't get it now in the tablet I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane I want a requiem my disease So I'm paging Dr. Steve.
1: Dr. Steve It's Weird Medicine The first and still only uncensored medical show In the history of broadcast radio Now a podcast I'm Dr. Steve With my little pal Tacey Oh no, why is your microphone off? Did you turn it off between recording? Hello okay. I
4: got an important phone call So hello everybody Hello
1: everyone this is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you got a question, you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider. If you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347 head? Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcast, medical news, and the stuff you can buy, or go to our merchandise store at cafepress.com slash weirdmedicine. Yeah, don't go there anymore. I'm going to take that off there. Unless you want a um, Bristol stool scale mug, that's kind of cool. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, practical nurse, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian, or whatever. Or presidential candidate, as we shall soon see.
4: As we shall soon see. So, and I'm so sorry I, I interrupted on that. Oh, I'm interrupting again.
1: Yeah, we haven't even talked to her yet. Okay, sorry. (laughs) So don't forget to go to stuff.drsteve.com. Stuff.drsteve.com for all of your... um...
4: Okay, so here's the thing. Okay. I have a premonition, right? Yes. That I'm going to interrupt a presidential candidate being
1: introduced. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Boy, that wasn't good. There we go.
4: You suck too today.
1: <laughs> Check out uh, stuff.drsteve.com for all of your um, your Amazon needs stuff. S-T-U-F-F.drsteve.com. You can just click right through and go to Amazon, or you can scroll down and see all the different things that we talk about on the show. Try wine.drsteve.com. It's Naked Wines. It's the greatest wine club in the world. I won't belabor it. We talked about it last time. W-I-N-E dot dr dot com and for the best earbuds for the price on the market and the best customer service anywhere tweaked and use offer code fluid f-l-u-i-d and get 33 percent off and if you want to lose weight with tacy and me not we're, me
4: i had chinese today did yet.
1: you really well that's with okay noodles
4: and rice but on
1: noom you can do that I'm and then sure tomorrow be... you get right back on okay. the program again, right? So Noom, N-O-O-M. dot doctorsteve. dot com. It's very forgiving because it's not a diet; it's a psychology program.
4: It's a way of life.
1: You get it is, and I am fully incorporated into my life. I'm not perfect. I still binge on stuff, but now I'm binging on rice, rice cakes. cakes instead of Snicker bars. Mm. So Noom dr. steve dot com and my counselor, because you get a counselor, she and I are going to be working on why I must binge when I'm at home. I never it's binge gonna... anywhere else.
4: Your wife
1: it's it could be fault. It could be that actually uh, so <laughs> and check out Dr. Scott's website at dot net so uh the reason I laughed when I said the n- the numbers because I've never really seen it through someone else's eyes before and we actually have a true presidential candidate on the line I can't hear you sorry I just
4: remembered Beck has baritone
1: okay All right. So uh, always uh, life intrudes when you're uh, when you're trying to work. But that's okay. Um, So on the line, we have Serene Ardellianu. She's an independent candidate for president of the United States. Her parents fled communism in the 1970s uh, in the pursuit of freedom. And she's interested in creating a government that is limited but logical and complements natural laws to protect the rights of the innocent and to promote prosperity. Thank you, Madam uh, President Ardellianu, for being on Weird Medicine. How are you
3: today? Hello. Wow. Hi. (laughs) I'm excited to connect with you both and um, see where this goes. I think that we can inspire and empower a lot of people today.
1: Well, I I think so, too. And I, I really I have some questions for you because you're you're immersed in this stuff. And um, your views seem in line with the Libertarian Party, or that you know they're libertarian views. You um, believe in small government, but you're liberal socially. And um, this and this is a medical show, and I like to focus on healthcare some. Um, but something in your bio sort of struck me. Aren't the terms logical and government mutually exclusive?
3: They don't have to be and they shouldn't be. (laughs) I think that the best government is a logical one. And uh, that's really what I hope to, you know, one of the things I hope to bring into government is logic, because right now, I feel like it's very emotion driven. Yes. And that's what got us where we are today. And that's not working for most people.
1: Yeah, um, I just see on one side of the aisle, this person likes this, so then therefore we have to hate that. And on the other side of the aisle, the same thing. And so how in the world do you bring logic into that? Because, you know, for me, the formula that I ascribe to on this show a lot is politics plus medicine equals politics. And there's there's no medicine that comes out of that. It's just all politics and um if we're doing things let's say in the hospital not if we if we make a decision that isn't patient based it's a political decision and if we make a decision that isn't constituent based or population based it's a political decision so how do you create a logical environment in a situation that we as we have today well
3: one of the things that i do with people is i flipped the script I asked them how they would feel if whatever they are um, supporting was reversed onto them mm-hmm. because a lot of people don't seem to see or don't seem to see their own hypocrisy where you know it's if you don't agree with them then you're the bad guy or they won't listen to you but it's like wait a minute how would you feel if you got treated this way yeah. and so it does help you know and and, and sometimes I'm you know I'm very uh, specific with my examples where, you know, to to make it personal so that they can really understand, like, they wouldn't like that. So then why is it okay to treat others this way if they don't like it themselves, you know, making it personal, it helps um, significantly, but also, you know, helping people feel like you're not attacking them, that you understand where they're coming from, but you also want to help them essentially get out of their own way, because many of us have, Self destructive tendencies that we're not even aware of it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we have to achieve consensus at some point. I mean, I, I do that. When I have a family meeting, the our goal generally for medical decision making is to achieve consensus. And that just seems to be well, I've got more numbers than you do. And uh you know, so we're gonna do this thing, but we have less numbers than you, so we're just gonna make your life difficult.
3: So I don't know if you know much about my background in healthcare, (laughs) (laughs) but I do not subscribe in a one-size-fits-all model, and um, one of my mentors and colleagues, Dr. Bruce Lipton, he's one of the first people in history to clone stem cells, and he found out that our DNA is just a blueprint, and he's still very active today, and he talks a lot about the placebo effect and the nocebo effect. Sure. And I do believe that that plays a huge part in somebody's experience in the healthcare system. If something somebody believes that, you know, that their doctor really knows best, and they have their faith in what their doctor suggests, that they're most likely going to have positive results yeah. in whatever the doctor says. Versus if they don't, even if somebody else has a positive outcome, the same exact circumstances, they're not necessarily going to have a positive, you know, outcome. And so I think it's really important to respect that and understand that, you know, our beliefs do play a role in our experience with health, with achieving health, maintaining health and so forth.
1: Absolutely. You can't separate mind from
3: body. No, and that's really why I want to impact healthcare, so that doctors start looking at the entire being, not just at symptoms, not just at the body, but understanding. Because I believe that the majority of diseases are actually functional and not organic or structural. And so if you address it from that perspective, you're bound to truly heal people or rather help them heal themselves versus just putting a Band-Aid and just alleviating some of the symptoms at the expense of something else.
1: Right. I think that most of my colleagues, if they're honest, understand that about 80% of our patients would probably get better if they never saw us. But it's the other 20% where we really can have an impact, you know. um, you it's it's hard to uh, cure an appendicitis by waving palm fronds over somebody, although I could probably make their cold feel better if I do that. You know, because they'll get better in two weeks or if I give them medication, they'll get better in two weeks. But, you know, they, you've been called the healer in chief. So let's I mean, let's get a little bit deeper into health care, because I really want you on for you to teach me a couple of things. And this is my sort of core issue I have. I'm probably the only libertarian that you've ever heard of that's in favor of single-payer health care. But it's because I see people uh, come in and they, they have to they, – they get cancer. I work in a cancer institute of part of the time. And uh, they get cancer. They have to get chemo every week or every two weeks or whatever. They lose their job. And then they can't afford their house payment. So then they take their pain medicine and sell half of it so that they can make the rent. But then they're suffering. And then when I have people that actually have insurance – I send in a prescription, and, of course, it's denied because it's not on their formulary, And I can't keep the 30,000 formularies straight in my head. So for me, if the patients all had the same uh, insurance company, it would be advantageous for them. But my problem is I don't have any confidence the government can fairly and efficiently manage it. So how do we provide care that people need? So if they don't lose their house, for example, you know, if they have to take chemo without involving the government, that and do it in a way that's in line with our sort of libertarian values, because I struggle with this one.
3: It is a difficult conversation to have. I actually wrote an article about it a few years ago in the Huffington Post about how to attain perfect health. And um, one of my other mentors and colleagues, Dr. Bernie Siegel. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he was in a similar line of work as you until he retired. And he found he was a surgeon and most of his patients had cancer. And he found that many of these people were brokenhearted. Hmm. And that, you know, again, the cause of the cancer was functional in most cases. And that by giving them a different perspective, by giving them a reason to look forward to life. Yeah to enjoy life, that they were able to recover. Um, there's somebody that's still active. So I also, I'm a, I'm a chiropractic school dropout. I went to Life West for a minute. Um, but Dr. Joe Dispenza, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but no. he really talks about neuroscience and epigenetics and, and just how people are able to heal from cancers and other various diseases that most Western you know, medicine tells you is not curable through essentially lifestyle changes, starting with mindset changes um you probably know this you know our brains are the greatest pharmacist in the world yeah i don't you know, dis- every- i don't
1: disagree with that
3: and so when you feel fear or anger or worry or any negative emotion you release toxic chemicals into your bloodstream and the more you feel these negative emotions you start to release them over and over right? and so they're not getting i think the right word you know metastasized or you know they're not getting eliminated properly essentially and so it's, it's a lot of people are holding on to this negative energy, which expresses itself as disease and can turn into cancer. And I had very uh, severe PTSD for many years where I was in and out of the hospital, severe pain, spasms, ulcers, lost my voice, could barely walk. And it was all psychosomatic. You know, yeah. I tried all kinds of drugs and treatments, and it wasn't until I started, you know, I'm just going to say it, getting right in my head, yeah. <laughs> learning to love myself but I got better. And even chiropractic was just a bandaid. I realized in retrospect, it was not actually addressing what was wrong with me. It was essentially just a a way to manage symptoms.
1: Sure. I I don't disagree with you in any way that stress and, you know, negative thinking, all those things, let's just pile that into a big pile and call it stress, that it is a risk factor for disease. Absolutely. I I I have not seen evidence that you can for example cure stage 4 cancers through anything other than you know western western medicine um, for example uh the abscopal effect for um uh, melanoma this is an effect where uh <clears throat> someone that's got metastatic melanoma They um, have, you know, a tumor in their hip that's causing pain, and you relieve the pain through, say, radiation, and that exposes the immune system to these proteins. And all of a sudden, you know, a a week later, they have no melanoma anywhere. It's a complete, utter cure. And we can't induce that in uh, in a consistent way. But the fact that we can do it every once in a while means we could do it every time Mm -hmm. if we knew enough. And I do think, obviously, stress management would play a part in that. But um, I'm, you know, so I I don't know that I agree. I am a Western medicine. I'm an allopath. You know, my, my specialty is palliative medicine. And I haven't seen spontaneous cures with people who have, for example, reached acceptance or change their diet and those kinds of things. So, but I, I do know that stress can cause disease. I'm not 100% sure relieving stress will relieve that kind of disease, particularly, you know, cancer that's spread. But, you know, that's a conversation we can have.
3: Yeah, no. And also, I feel like if somebody's gotten to that point, it's pretty severe. And oh, yeah. it, it would take a significant mindset shift lifestyle shift you know to achieve something like that i do believe it's possible but something i was thinking about as you were speaking um because i have met people that have had cancer and you know gone the traditional route with chemo and so forth and then they get it again and then they go through the chemo again and then they get it again and so to me that's the indication that they're still doing whatever is creating this disease in their body so have we really helped them
1: yeah well of course and wonder, from our standpoint, we would say, well, they've got a genetic predisposition that their immune system is missing these cancer cells when they keep uh but you know, in the end it may all be the same thing. We'll we'll see. Um you know it, We used to call trees trees, and then we learned about xylem and phloem and then DNA and cell walls and all that stuff. And then, you you know, we delve deeper and deeper, and then you come back and you say, yeah, well, this is what a tree is. And we still call it a tree, but we know so much more about it. So I'm looking at an article right now that says work stress and the risk of cancer meta-analysis. This was in the International Journal of Cancer, and uh, they um, said that they didn't find – uh, association between work stress and risk of prostate, breast or ovarian cancer, but they did find a huge difference in work stress uh, as an important risk factor for colorectal lung and esophageal cancers. So I do think from a preventative standpoint, we could agree that reducing people's stress would reduce the burden of cancer, even if we don't agree on how to treat it. That, yeah. Would you buy that?
3: Oh, completely. <laughs> no, and, yeah, but, you know, And again, I appreciate having different perspectives because, like I mentioned, you know, one size doesn't fit all. Yep. And for some people and for most people, the path that you are sharing is the path that they do believe in and that they choose more. But I do believe, you know, like I want to treat the entire being. I don't want to just treat the symptom. I want yes. them to thrive. You know, I want them to overcome whatever they're going through and actually enjoy life, and not just be hanging on by a thread. You know, that's part of my vision, and and I believe that we're getting there, but it, it takes time. You know, how do you measure faith, for example, with the placebo effect? You know, right. How how do we do it? We just can't. And but we do know that it works sometimes.
1: Sure. If if people think that the placebo effect is just something to be um, poo pooed, I I beg to differ because every single study that we do must cor- correct for the placebo effect. That's how powerful it is. There isn't a, a validated study in this country that's looking at the efficacy of some treatment over the other that hasn't. Um, subtracted out the placebo effect, which tells you that it's a very powerful effect.
3: Yeah. You know, I think about just you were talking about correlation of stress and certain types of cancers. You know, when I had ulcers, it was because I had lost somebody very near and dear to me. And I had a lot of anger and a lack of forgiveness and patience with myself. And I didn't realize it. You know, it took me a while. And it's like, well, as soon as I started to be forgiving with myself, and to be more patient with myself, I got better. Yeah, and and that's what a lot of people don't understand. You know, to some people call it new age. It's like, no, there there is a correlation, but it's not easy to track these things because not everyone's going to be honest. If you if you're a doctor, you know they're not going to tell you what they're really thinking, or you know, and and their alone time, and so you you have to guess. And it, it's just you know, it's a it's an interesting part of health i think that we are venturing in but i I do know quite a few people that are you know they've been around much longer than i have and they've been doing studies and you know like i mentioned the biology belief it's a great book full of peer-reviewed science i don't get anything for recommending this book but it's it's (laughs) me a lot
1: well we minimize stress uh, at our risk in medicine for sure, and not uh, recognizing it or paying attention to it is uh, is a mistake. I absolutely agree with that. And something I, I'd like to turn you on to is um, my friend Nanea Reeves from trip.com, it's dot com. They have a virtual reality stress reduction. Program that is incredible. And uh, I had her on my show before. And so our our listeners know about it, so I won't belabor it. But it's basically um, a 3D virtual environment where um, you're taught breathing exercises. And She's genius because she gets you to gauge what your mood is beforehand. And then after you rise through these levels, and then the last level, you're floating above the earth. And Nenea is saying, you know, look, there's no boundaries. You know, it's we're all one and all this stuff. It's the greatest thing in the world. And and at that point, I don't care who you are. You're totally buying it. And uh, when it's over, then you rate it again. And so she's got tons of data that just shows that um this thing really works i i would love to see more people have access to that and um that's the kind of healthcare uh, i'm i'm interested in that's peripheral to what i do you know handing out medicine and doing consults and those kinds of things because i think those kinds of things can be valuable there's no question about
3: that Oh, yeah. And your brain can't tell the difference between what you're experiencing, you know, in your fully waking state or not, you know, whether it's a fantasy or reality, if you're really in it, it's as if you're actually experiencing it in the here and now. And, you know, back to our brains creating chemicals, it's going to create really positive healing chemicals when you are in that state of being. And so... Like, I'm really excited about where virtual reality and all that's going because we can heal a lot of people if we develop the right programs for them to feel healthy, even when they're not.
1: I, I totally agree. So so we agree that stress and having a, a, a president that would... Um, be some somebody that we could all have some confidence in on both sides of the aisle, which is the great thing about libertarians, because there's something for everybody there, um, would would decrease the stress in this country uh, to a significant degree. But uh, I guess I'm, what I'm not understanding is how do we deliver health care to all these people in this country who need it? And um, without involving the government, if we wanna fix the problems that I enumerated at the beginning of this, which is people losing their houses and then losing their insurance, and now they don't have anything, and then they're selling their pain medication. how do? What's the mechanism for de- actually delivering the things that you've been talking about?
3: I think it starts with cutting back on a lot of legislation. And I know that sounds scary to some people, but for example, part of the reason I dropped out of chiropractic school is because I was going to be between like three hundred and five hundred thousand dollars and 500000 in debt by oh, yeah. the time I graduated. And I just wanted to learn how to adjust people to help people feel good. I didn't even want to do it for money. I just wanted to do it. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, this is ridiculous, you know. And and some of the things that I had to learn and memorize to become a doctor of chiropractic weren't things that I would actually need to know in my practice, Right. And so I feel like there's a lot of politics involved in our healthcare model that makes it expensive for people to become doctors, which makes care expensive. And I feel like we should really look at results. And, you know, like I, I have many friends that are chiropractors and most of them do not take insurance
1: mm-hmm.
3: and and you have to pay out of pocket for them. And, and if but they're cheaper. Yeah. And you get results.
1: Yeah. We have a friend who, uh, well, he's on the show. I was hoping he could be here today. And he is a um, went to traditional Chinese medical school in Houston. And so he's four year. He's not just some person that took a two year class and. Um, He does better than I do, but he doesn't take insurance and he charges probably a a third or a quarter of what I charge for an office visit. Because, you know, you identified something. If you go to, let's say, chiropractic school or medical school or anywhere and you want to practice for free and you walk out of there with a $300,000 debt, you can't practice for free. No. (laughs) You can't yeah you have to make you have to pay that money back, so you have to make money somewhere so okay, so leaner, but then what 's the mechanism for delivering health care in other words, are, is the government get involved or is it private industry? I know the anarchists my anarchist friends say that we should have um, uh, you know a private police instead of government funded police. I I honestly think that would be a lot worse, but, you know, that's that's one of their stances. How do we what's what's the mechanism for getting people uh, their health care paid for, I guess?
3: I don't think that government should be involved because it's turned into a business because of their involvement. I do think that if it's privatized, that people will have more options and that it will be more affordable. I also believe, you know, part of my platform is reducing taxes, and so if people are holding on to their, more of their money, they're able to choose how they spend it instead of spending it on things they don't really have a choice, You know, like something they don't agree with. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of different pieces to it, but essentially it's just getting government out of it, giving people more options, and, and looking at different approaches. I kind of alluded to it, um, but suggestive therapy... Is a very effective way of helping people with functional disease. And I believe that if we change the way that we treat people, again, looking at the entire person, not just the body, and not just the symptoms, like to understand, well, why are they experiencing this? You know, what is it that they're doing that causes them to experience this pain in their life, this disease in their life, and let's change it. But here's the challenge, because I'm really honest about it, is that most people prefer to take a pill or have a surgery or whatever instead of do the work. Yeah. So, you know, and I mentioned it before, it is a mindset shift, and it has to come from the top, because whoever's on top gets the attention, and, you know, like it or not, we are... Most of us are subconsciously following, copying the behaviors that we see around us.
1: So you would uh, encourage insurance companies, for example, to pay? Because right now, my, my friend, my partner that's here, he can't get an insurance company to pay for his services, even though <clears throat> demonstrably his patients feel better and their quality of life has improved. But he can't bill an insurance company. So you would um, encourage insurance companies to pay for some of these other mind-body things that they're not paying for now. Is that one of the things? That's what I'm...
3: encourage, but not require. Got it. Right? Because, you know, and I, I like to mention, I know a lot of chiropractors, and and some of them are expensive, and you know, it varies on where they are in the country. Sure. And I know many of them do pro bono work too. Mm-hmm. Because they have the freedom to do that and they want to help people. And I don't believe that any of that's going to change. I believe they'll be able to do more of that if they don't have to pay so much, you know, to become doctors.
1: (laughs) Right. Or to pay for working with insurance companies. We have to we have a whole second floor at the at the cancer center that does nothing but interface with insurance companies. And so we charge a lot more than Dr. Scott does. But I'm not 100 percent sure we're, we're making more than he does because we've got this huge overhead. So I kind of I, I actually see where you're going with this to some degree. And um, it's
3: I, a lot of work. I for don't you disagree do with that. It. You know, it's a lot of work for you to do that. It's kind of it makes you wonder, you know, like, is this the best path? But I think that for right now, it is like I don't believe in a radical overnight change because I don't want to leave anyone behind. Yeah, I believe this has to be a gradual Thoughtful and you know considerate change that we do that we don't leave people without that we f- we have people step up that offer better solutions and you know I'm an idea person and I can come up with so- very specific solutions in certain fields where I feel I'm an expert in and and in other fields I believe it's really important to have conversations tr- with people that are much wiser than me that you know have been around longer and come up with solutions together and that's part of the reason that you know i'm not super specific is because i don't know all the nuances you know all the nitty-gritty now, now
1: this is a first for a politician to say so i'm i'm going to give you some applause just for saying <laughs> you don't know everything i appreciate that
3: I think we all have to realize that nobody knows everything and that we need to talk to each other to understand what works and what doesn't and just focus on the things that do work and make them better. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, you're listening to uh, Serene Ardeliano, who is an independent candidate for president of the United States, and um, you ran for uh, initially f- uh, to run on the Libertarian ticket, but Joe Jorgensen is now running on that ticket. So right now you're a write-in candidate, so this is sort of an ethical or a moral choice for people. And, but if you're going to write her in, you got to write in – got to spell her name right. Is that correct?
3: That is correct. Yes. So
1: that you that's going to be hard with the, with a name with a Romanian name like that. So, <laughs> uh, but let me spell it for everybody: S O R I N N E A R D E L E A N U. And I'm gonna, I'll put your name in the title so that uh, people will, uh, you know, see it on their SiriusXM or on their uh, uh, on their podcast app. But um, uh, so I have one last question, and this may take a minute. But, um, you know, one of the greatest health concerns in the country isn't really a disease. It's poverty and it affects diet, accidental death, trauma, access to medical care. What's your solution?
3: So I grew up really poor in American standards on food stamps, welfare, Section 8, financial aid. That was what got me through the beginning part of my life. And, you know, my parents are still struggling, you know, but they have found a way to make peace. And what I've learned, especially through my journey, is that if you prioritize correctly, that you can thrive. But again, this isn't these, we're not being taught these values in the mainstream, we're being taught to pursue things that don't help us. Because whenever I had really severe PTSD one of the first changes I made was to my diet and you know I went to eating all organic and whole foods and what I did was like I just started buying things that were on sale Hmm. and I wasn't being so picky and I just realized okay fresh fruits and produce that's what I really need the most of to eliminate toxins and to fill myself with nutrients and you know it's it's about adaptation you know, doing the best with what you have where you are but also like you know, striving for better, striving for more, because I am, I don't, I don't say this with any disrespect to my parents. I love them dearly. They work very hard, too hard. But, you know, I'm in a much better position than they are because I've made very different choices. Yeah. But I've had to work very hard to where I've gotten to change my circumstances. And I've realized that, you know, um, and I believe this is a very libertarian view. And this is also, you know, kind of a natural laws thing. We reap what we sow. And if we make smart decisions, they're going to pay off for us. But we also have to make certain sacrifices and recognize, like, what's really important in life to thriving. And for me, it's really just having food in my belly, having a roof over my head and having love in my life. But that wasn't always the case. Yeah. I used to be a material girl. You know, I used to try to keep up with the Joneses and because that's what I, you know, I, grew I hate up those Joneses. <laughs> But you know what I mean? Like many of us have the wrong values. Yeah. You know, we always have money for, you know, as women, a handbag or a pair of shoes, but somehow we don't have money to eat right. Yeah. Um, And it's just, it's recognizing like what really matters and recognizing, well, if I make this sacrifice today and if I invest in myself this way, that in the long run, it will pay off. And we, you know, it's, it's basically delaying gratification and making yourself number one. Um, I believe that anybody can overcome their circumstances. I've I've done interviews myself in the past where I, you know, I've been the interviewer with people that have overcome so much more adversity than I have, yeah. and it all comes down to the mindset and and recognizing that you know we've dreams are earned; they're not just handed to us. If they are, they don't last.
1: Well. This took a left turn, and I'm very interested in what you're saying. Uh, that's very libertarian, uh, the- and so you're you're mixing this libertarianism with this sort of love thing, and I I kind of like it. I gotta I gotta tell you, so I, I'm really glad that you came on the show today. You're our first presidential candidate. And uh, let me give out your name again. It's Sorine Ardellianu. The, her name will be on your pad data. Independent candidate for president of the United States. Um, and she is a, also known as the Healer-in-Chief. And I really appreciate you being on the show today. And let's keep in touch.
3: Thank you. It's an honor to connect with you, and I'm grateful for where the conversation went.
1: Yeah, me too. And I think you have an uphill battle when it comes to getting this country— uh, Interested in critical thinking, but I, I can't say anything, but I applaud the effort. Absolutely.
3: Thank you. Well, I'm <laughs> okay. up for
1: it. OK. Take care.
3: Thank you. All right. You Thank you.
1: Well, there you go. So, um, yeah, I've, we've never done anything like that before. I just really wanted to have her on because she was such a fascinating character. She she used to be on Pat Dixon's show a lot when she was running for the uh, libertarian um Um, libertarian nomination or whatever you know to be the candidate
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so um i think it's it's really interesting because she she kind of has some of these hippie views and then all of a sudden she's talking about personal responsibility and they're really just straight libertarian uh ideas so uh, uh, interesting anyway i hope i hope you all enjoyed that
0: today's episode is brought to you by angie
1: Um Tacy we got some new um, face masks.
4: Oh and not only did we get face masks.
1: But you got a little prize. Well, I got
4: a prize. I got a cup. Well is that what you call it? No I don't
1: it's like a water bottle but water it's insulated. Water bottle that's what
4: you call it. An yep. insulated water bottle with my name on it <laughs> yeah. in hot pink and then on the other side
1: It's the that weird medicine weird logo. Medicine
4: logo. <laughs> That I adore. But anyway, it was a very nice gift, the nicest gift I could have gotten last week. Yeah. And it's exactly what I needed, and I just really want to say thank
1: you. So let me give him a plug. It comes from Bob um, Seidel. Golly, Bob, I'm sorry if I got your last name, if I butchered last name. But he has a company called Party Shots, and what they do normally is they go to golf uh, outings and corporate events and then do foursome photos like of the golfers and then they he puts them on things and uh but he does other stuff too and he he's the one that makes our face masks so uh check him out at com. it's p a r t s h o t s.com anyway really nice guy
4: nicest present yeah was really cool he was thrilled that that you liked it too yeah i really did like it
1: all right good okay so this is the other thing that's happened and um i'm i'm glad that you all have hung in here uh, with this political talk that we had, because now we're going to have fun while we were in, are we <laughs> while we were in uh, on vacation the day after we got on vac or we got there, your mother calls me and says, can you turn up the thermostat because I'm cold and I'm like, okay, why well, you're cold. And she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm having chills. And she just, it was like pulling teeth. Well, are you sick? Well, My nose is real dry, and then it's like, um, well, okay, your nose is dry. The
4: roof of her mouth
1: hurt, and 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 I'm coughing. You're coughing, yeah, but I always cough. So, so anyway, I had her take her temperature, and she called you and said it was a hundred. And I'm like, okay, you got to go get tested then. And then she called me, and I said, so your temp was 100? She said, well, it was 99. I was just rounding up. (laughs) So that's your mom. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she went and got tested, and lo and behold, she she called us up and said, well, I've got the covert.
4: Yep. Worst vacation ever.
1: Yeah, it was pretty bad. Her behavior, she isn't going to hear this part, but we're going to call her here in a second to see, because we haven't had anybody on that actually had it yet. And uh, her behavior was pretty egregious. And then I, I hear her, well, I'm in the kitchen, and she's just hacking
4: <laughs>
1: in our house. Because she was, oh, I, did I forget to say she was house-sitting?
4: Yes, she was house-sitting.
1: And uh, she's just hacking trillions of viral particles all over our house.
4: Trillions.
1: So had to get her out of the house, uh, um, you know, the day, two days before we came. And then we hired someone to come in in a hazmat suit and sterilize the house. And I still had to pay her for a house sitting, even though it cost us a ton of money. You know, it was a net deficit on that one. But anyway, let's get your mom on the phone. Okay. Oh, and then yeah, she called. She called me one day and said, "Well, I'm having chest pains." And it's like, "Well, Joey, then you need to go to the emergency room." Then she got mad. She's like, "Well, Steve, I have chest pain every day. You know that." And it's mm-hmm. like, "Well, then why did why did you bring it up?" Mm-hmm. She's uh, she's something. It was so like
4: that all week. <laughs>
1: It's like that your like whole life. Mm-hmm. So let us uh, let me see if I can figure out how to call her real quick. Um, uh-oh. Let's see here. No, I don't want to block her. I want to call her.
4: Do we not now?
1: Uh, no, we still do. Let me just dial it. Hang on a second, everybody. Hey, Tacey. Um, let's see. Okay, hang on. Oh, we can just do this. Okay, I'm putting in the... Yeah, I'm sure Serene's listening to this and saying, "What the hell show is this? This guy is yeah. very unprofessional." Um, uh, let's see. Well,
4: you were professional for her. So. I was.
1: Was I? Okay. Yeah. Enough. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I
4: wasn't. I was freaked out over baritone, but turns out he doesn't have it.
1: Oh no! I forgot to tell you. Yeah, his baritone uh, teacher has COVID, and he hasn't come back yet. Okay. Oh, I thought that was Joe. Okay. Here's Joe. Oh, no. Number you entered is not. God dang it. Okay. Hang on, everybody. Sorry. Let me try this again. Um, say something, Tase. What? <laughs> Normally, um, I would have had this all queued up, and I thought I did, and it just didn't work. So. Mm-hmm. is that right i'll have to bleep that out remind me oh
4: my god 3854.
1: remind me to bleep that out hello joe yeah hey hey it's uh it's your son-in-law and your uh daughter and we are recording our show and you already gave consent so we don't have to go through all of that so um Walk us through, when you first realized you were sick, what you felt like, so that people kind of have an idea.
2: Well, I felt like I had the flu. I had just gotten the flu shot, and that's what I felt like I had was the flu.
1: Gotcha. So you just had your flu shot, and then you kind of felt crummy and right. said, oh, maybe it was the flu shot. And then uh, when did you know that there was a problem? Uh
2: when I got up that morning, couldn't do nothing. Yeah. I was I was real weak and had no strength, nauseated. And uh, I was supposed to work that morning, and I called him, and he said, uh, you can't come in until you know. And I said, well, I'm positive it's the flu. And then when I called you, you said, go get tested. Yeah. And I went and got tested. I got, got dressed and got tested. It took him. Three, four days to let me know. And by the time I knew I had it, I was full blown. Yeah. So I when, was into it big time. So
1: when you say you were into it big time, what kind of symptoms did you have?
2: Uh, real weak, nauseated, um, sick at your stomach. I had the sore throat. Um, I had the jerks. Uh, the diarrhea didn't start until I started eating, and then the diarrhea started. Uh, I had a bad, bad cough. Yeah. And a fever.
1: So your doctor called...
4: A, a finger? Oh, a fever. Sorry, 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 <laughs> sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry,
1: sorry. I'm sorry. How high did your temperature get? Uh,
2: 102.
1: Oh, my goodness. I don't think you told us that. I didn't. Oh, okay. Well, well, there you go. Oh, you were trying to spare us well, while we there were on you know, vacation. I
2: know what you two are like. I want you <laughs> at the hospital. I can hear you say it. <laughs> but I called the doc- doctor and I told him Yeah. that I, uh, well, no, I'll take that back. Dr. called me and said, Joanne, you have got COVID. Yeah. And uh, she sent me the medicine, and you told me to get a thing for my finger for my breathing and I'd already had my thermometer. I don't know why, but I had my thermometer with me. Oh yeah. And, uh, uh, so I, I kept eye on my breathing and I kept an eye on. Oh, Yeah. So she, <coughs> she gave me medicine for my cough. She gave me. Uh, <laughs>
1: Sounds like it's working great.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not as bad as it has been, Steve, and you know that. Yeah. But uh, the, I can't think of the name of the medicine. Which one? she gave me.
1: Dexamethasone. Uh,
2: yes. You take two the first day, and then after that you take, uh, and that helps you chilling because you chill with this. And uh, after that, you take five more. Yeah. And then after that, it stays in your system five to ten days. Yeah. So even though I finished up yesterday, which it ate my stomach all to pieces.
1: It will do that. As soon as I finished for people who are listening, dexamethasone yeah. is a pretty powerful steroid, and when you take it orally, particularly, but even IV, it can irritate your stomach because it's a stress hormone, and stress irritates your stomach. So that's the simple.
2: And it, but it worked. Yeah, it got a hold. Of, the chill started going away. the The temperature started going away. Um, I'm still weak. And thinking about food until you gave me some of that nausea medicine, yep. thinking about food. Like this morning when I was talking to you on the phone, I was I was just about to lose it when I hung up with you.
1: Because we were talking about food. About
2: it, yes. And, of course, you know, my first temptation
1: was when you said, oh, if you talk about food, I'm going to get sick, is to start going, oh, mayonnaise and eggs. But I, did, I, I resisted the urge. So.
2: Oh, if you had done that, I would have lost it. <laughs>
1: So, yeah. Because
2: I do not have this, I don't have it.
1: So, people who have COVID 19 illness, the CDC says that they should isolate. So, people who have it, isolate. People who have been exposed, quarantine. So, people should isolate. 10 days after the onset of symptoms. So your onset of symptoms was Sunday. Then you went to Sunday, that's 7. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that's today, is 10. So you can come out of isolation tomorrow, even though you're still coughing, as long as you haven't had a fever in the last 24 hours.
2: I've not had a fever in three days or now, four days.
1: Now, the people in your house have to quarantine for 14 days since the last time they had close contact with you. So I'm assuming that would have been last Saturday. Is that right? Before you yeah. came over to our house or or would it be Friday? Right. It was probably Friday, right? Because you came over early on Saturday. So
2: I come over Thursday and they, she stayed Friday.
1: Okay. So <laughs> Friday. Oh, right, right, right. So Friday. So I, I
2: left Friday morning.
1: To come here. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I,
2: yeah. I okay. left my your all's house Friday morning.
1: No, but I mean when you left to come here in the first place.
2: Oh, that was, Saturday.
1: Uh, was Saturday, right?
2: It was Saturday when you all was y'all were still on the road going down. Right, right,
1: right. So that would, would but Friday was probably the last time you had close contact with anybody in your family, right? Because you came over before they got up. Am I right about that or no?
2: Right. Okay. And I've not been nowhere. Okay. I've stayed right okay. I stayed at your house and I stayed at Yep. My house.
1: So Friday to Friday would be a week. And then so this today is your last day and Saturday, Friday would be their last day. So they need to stay in quarantine until, you know, they can come out of quarantine on Saturday.
2: On Saturday? Yep. OK. Yep. Because they've not been they're They're home with me.
1: OK. Well, and, you know, uh, it's the reason, by the way. Uh, Joanne did not have severe COVID-19. She had mild disease. She never even got into the moderate level because her oxygen level stayed up the whole time. But they put her on dexamethasone, not because that's what you normally do, but because she has rheumatoid arthritis, she's already on steroids a lot of the time. So that's the one exception to the dexamethasone rule because they really feel like dexamethasone should only be given to people who are in the hospital. But that could change, too. But it, it seemed to help you.
2: Uh, Steve, if they had started treating me yep. as soon as I suspected I had it, yep. I wouldn't have got as bad as I did.
1: That may be true. Uh, early treatment I of this stuff. Think
2: they're, they're going at it wrong. They need to start treating them just in case they've got it yeah. and get, get it started. Get it started sooner.
1: Well, the problem is and we it don't won't have be bad
2: on these older people.
1: We don't have a treatment for outpatient other than dexamethasone, which really isn't indicated for mild disease. So, uh, but we're it's coming. There's a drug called favipiravir, which is an antiviral pill that I'm hoping will prevent people from uh, uh, going to uh, you know severe disease. But the thing, I, the reason I wanted you on here is because. You know, it, it's, we've talked about it on the show. That there's no secret that, you know, you weigh more than your ideal body weight and you have um, uh, obstruct, you know, sleep apnea and you have rheumatoid arthritis and you're on, um, uh, you know, biological medication to suppress your immune system. And still, you just sailed right, right through this. It's totally sailed right through it. You were, you didn't feel good, but you didn't.
2: Oh, I still don't feel good. Yeah. But, but
1: but your oxygen my saturation trip. never dropped, you didn't end up in the hospital. you didn't end up on on life support right, I, yeah, so right, so but I
2: know exactly where I got it and when I got it, yep, I know exactly where I got it. I know you do, and, and you can't
1: say it on our show
2: i I know okay, but, and I never go anywhere without my mask, yep, yeah, I've got. I, I bought a box and I keep them in my car. Yeah. I don't go in a store nowhere without yeah. my mask. And when I got it, I did have my mask
1: on. Sure. Because the mask. It- protects other people from you more than it does you from other people, unless you're wearing an N95 mask, and that's what we wear when we go into the COVID unit. And so those do well, pre- prevent me from getting it, but the regular just surgical mask or cloth mask is really more effective in you preventing yourself from giving it to somebody else. Yeah. And you found that you figured that out because that, you know, that's what happened to you. So
2: Well, yeah. see, I have that mask, but it hurts my face to work.
1: Yep. Yeah, no. I yeah, had to work
2: when they do the breathing treatment. Yep. But that's the only time I work because it, it's so tight on your face, you couldn't wear that twelve hours a day.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's and tough. It's although there are people healthy.
2: that do. Yeah, but I I don't think I could. All right. I don't think I'm one of them.
1: Well, we're glad you're all right.
2: So glad. I was so gonna, glad. I'm going to play Mom. your
1: intro for everybody just in case they uh, you know Forgot what. lot about you? If uh, uh, we need to get back, you remember we used to do Big Joe's monthly visit. We need to have you back in the studio and do that more often.
2: Is... Yeah, you made me look like an idiot. No, no, <laughs>
1: we... <laughs> we, did not. People love
2: you, know, you Mom. What? I don't care, Steve. I know I'm overweight. I, I know who isn't. But I love my job. Yeah, I, I love what I, I love what I do because I feel like I'm helping the elderly people yeah and of course i I don't care
1: yeah well there you go so and i'm I'm...
2: not looking for nobody so the heck with them
1: you're not looking for what
2: no man nobody will oh no i'm happy with myself does that make sense yeah
1: absolutely absolutely we need to get you a boyfriend though. Maybe we'll do a Big Joe dating no, game I don't, again.
2: Uh, you do that and I'll wring your neck. <laughs> no.
1: What you didn't like no. a big Joe dating game? Didn't you win a um
2: No, I do not no, I do not win. You
1: want to won go for it. um a no, half off of any half off of any jello item at Piccadilly. Wasn't wasn't that the prize no. that you guys won? The deal is closed.
4: Oh, well. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. All right, and that concludes our. Um, All right, Joe.
1: We'll talk to you later.
4: Thank you, Mom. I love you, Dad. We bye. love you too.
1: Bye. See you. Bye. <laughs> the the queen of the non sequitur. Well, she surely is a good. Now, tell you that. Mm hmm. Big Joe. Till
4: she isn't.
1: We need to get her back on here. I I was just thinking of the Big Joe uh, monthly visit, which that was double vasectomy turds idea and what i'll do is um i I think we that that was from september 14th 2012 wow that was a while back Mm -hmm. Uh, i taped that on my birthday i guess right isn't that my birthday well anyway i'll put it at the end of this episode okay okay all right um well let's get out of here um we can't forget Rob Sprantz, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teft, who went to Disney, maniac, but and then now he has to quarantine in New York for 14 days because wow. they went to Disney. We love Disney, um, not worth that. Uh, Holly, um, Holly from Florida, Lewis Johnson, Paul Charsky, Eric Nagel, that uh, girl Chowdy, Martha from Arkansas, Roland Campos, Sam Roberts. Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, Matt Kleinschmidt, Dale Dudley, the great Rob Bartlett, Bernie and Sid, Ron Bennington, and uh, Fez Watley, whose support of this show has never gone unappreciated. Listen to our Sirius XM show on the Faction Talk channel series, XM channel 103, Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern, but on demand and other times at, at Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks go to our listeners voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules and podcasts and other crap. Don't forget stuff.drsteve.com Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps, quit smoking, get off your asses and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Mess.
4: Goodbye everyone. Thanks, Dave.
1: Come on in and set us spell. It's time for Big Joe's monthly visit. Oh God! <laughs> and welcome back. It's Big Joe's monthly visit. Hello, <laughs> Joe. How are you?
5: Just fine.
1: You been doing anything interesting since last time we met? No. Okay, good. I've uh, I I did hear that you had a peeping tom in your neighborhood.
5: They think we've got one.
1: Is that right now? What what's he doing?
5: apparently looking through windows what, <laughs> like yeah. I said the other night if he wants to look at this fat body he can look at he walls <laughs> maybe he likes
1: them big boobs
5: <laughs> big boobs big belly big gut <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, <laughs>
5: that's prophetic <laughs> we,
1: we were talking about um, uh, some, some of your recipes that you had and uh, we were wondering about your chili recipe if you could tell us a little bit about your chili recipe
5: Steve makes fun of my chili, but it's good chili. <laughs> it is I good. I mean, it it's for hot dogs, and you make it out of uh, two cups of water, uh, a pound hamburger, and, uh, fry it, and get it real all the grease and stuff off of it, and a can a, a small tube of that chili corn <laughs> carny. And he makes fun of it, but it makes the best hot dog. So
1: first you start with chili. Yes. <laughs> So that's the first... The way she told it today, it was the third ingredient. But the 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 main ingredient in your chili recipe is chili. It's chili, chili right?
5: but you add hamburger meat and, and chili powder and salt.
1: What cracks me up is your, the first time you told us this recipe, and we were making fun of you, and your boyfriend was making fun of you, <laughs> and he brought this lemonade. <laughs> and we're, we're in the mountains, and I'm like, man... This lemonade's really good. And I said, Johnny, how do you make this? He said, well, first you start with that lemonade that you get in the store. And here he was making fun of you for having chili be the first ingredient in your chili.
5: Well, I don't care who makes fun of it. When we have hot dog sales, it sells like hotcakes. We've made $3,000 in just one week over that hot dog chili. Well,
1: let's play Big Joe Trivia.
5: Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> All right. So
1: what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you some trivia questions, and uh, you answer them best you can. And if this is stupid, I'll erase it. All right. You ready? Question number one. What is the name of the coffee drink that they sell at McDonald's?
5: Floppy chip. <laughs> I mean, wait a minute. Take it back. I'll take it back. <laughs> oh, damn, Steve.
1: It's okay. Take, take your time. This isn't Jeopardy. There won't be a, a buzzer. Floppe. There you go. Floppe. Exactly right. Okay. Oh. Took
5: me forever to get that down. Floppe. <laughs> I probably still do not say it right.
1: <laughs> oh. What kind of cheese do you use in lasagna? The white cheese. What's the name of the white cheese?
5: Mozzarella.
1: Okay. What's the other white cheese that you put in uh, in lasagna? <laughs>
5: <laughs> I do make good lasagna. Yes, you do. Uh, I, I, I don't know the name of it. I just know the box.
1: The stuff that's sort of like... I
5: know. Provide... Per, well, I don't know.
1: The stuff that's in... That,
5: I know what it is. It's <laughs> cream and it stinks after a while.
1: It's kind of like cottage cheese. Right. Okay. I put
5: cottage cheese in it, too. All
1: right. Um,
5: <laughs> what is that name? Perfect. Parfait.
1: We'll save that for next time. <laughs> you think yeah. about it. Yeah. What's the name of the movie with Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones? With the aliens in it. Uh, I don't know. Came out this year.
5: Oh, The Falling Skies?
1: Um, no, uh, that wasn't the one I was thinking of. It was the one with Will Smith... And Tommy Lee Jones, and they fight the aliens.
5: Predators. There you go. All right. I like that movie, too. I like weird movies.
1: Now, uh, we've been watching a show, not the one that we're watching now, but before this, about England during World War One. And what is the name of that show?
2: <laughs> oh, God.
1: We only watched 26 hours of it.
5: It's Downson. Down, da- down, down syndrome. To oh,
1: she got it. I thought you were going to say Down Syndrome. <laughs>
5: sorry.
1: <laughs> you, Take that you <laughs> came so close to saying Down Syndrome. All
5: right. It ready? took me a long time to get that down. Guys, I just watch the show. I don't watch the name.
1: <laughs> All right. We've got a few questions for you, and then we'll wrap this up, okay? okay. These are called-in questions from people.
2: All right. Let's see. Hello, oh, Big
5: Joe. Are you there? That's Steve. Hello. Oh. <laughs> Hello. He's kidding me. That's, I can't, big Joe. He's got. Would you all believe he's got that on my age machine? Everybody, everybody just dies. I like
2: what she is. won't talk to me. She won't. I
5: can't do, tell
1: her. All right. Didn't fool you with that.
5: One. No, you did not.
1: Hey, me Joe. I'm a trucker, and I like them women with them big old titties.
5: And that's that's Steve too. To
1: Where's your area? <laughs> About four times. Month, and I was wondering if I You can tell that's me. Yes, out.
5: I can tell that you. <laughs> no doubt. Uh
1: we got the uh Big Joe's fried baloney t-shirts coming out and I want people <laughs> to uh uh be on the lookout for that and it it's got a cartoon of Big Joe from uh by Fluffer Nutter and he is a guy named Matt Hoffman. He goes by the name Fluffer Nutter on the internet and he does all of our logos and stuff and it's got um Joe with this big fried bologna sandwich. that says five pieces for a balanced diet. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure you check out our merchandise at uh, um, uh, riotcast.com or at cafepress.com/slash/weirdmedicine. And uh, Joe, thanks for coming. And uh, let's let's go watch uh, down a little, a couple more uh, episodes of Down Syndrome, and then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you next time for Big Joe's monthly visit.
2: Today's
0: episode is brought to you by Angie.